Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet we thought considering sequels like Miss Congeniality 2 and Dumb and Dumber 2 did so damn well we thought we would do a rock show to people. Yes, a sequel because it's what we all need <laughs> and there was much rejoice there. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and before we, you know, meet this enthusiastic bunch of tits, <laughs> just a reminder, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet is available on iTunes, Android, and Spotify, as well as Suplex Retweet Extra. You can also find us on all social media sites at Suplex Retweet on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community as well, if you want to get involved on Facebook. And SuplexRetweet.com for all all the links there. If you don't remember it, SuplexRetweet.com. That's what you need to take away for this. So, we covered our show on The Rock before, and we kind of just, we did his rise, we did the Attitude Era, and we done right up to WrestleMania 17. So, the thought here is we're going to talk about The Rock's Hollywood career, how he balanced wrestling and Hollywood, and then how he went away and just basically became possibly the biggest action star of the 21st century. So, before we get into that, let's meet our panel. Now, I know why it's a massive family, and for every Rock, there's always a Manu. Please welcome my Manu, Scott McLeod. <laughs> you know, that could have been a lot worse, so thank you. Thank You're you very welcome. much for that. You're welcome. Now, ESSR had an invasion of new starts last year. We had Daniel, we had Jack, we had Grant. But every invasion needs a Sean Stasiak. Please welcome Errols. It's Chris Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the meat of this production. <laughs> 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 that's that's going to give me images I don't need moving swiftly I, on I've suddenly turned vegan <laughs> up next for this man lockdown drinking has ruined his life he's 31 years old he's the Hans Molman of ESSR he's Andy Mitchell Jesus Christ that's a hell of an insult <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm much better looking than Hans Molman I was going to say just like The Rock I just had a little you know vacation of six months I didn't go to Hollywood but you know I just chilled for six months yeah I mean Andy before it became a lockdown staple you were rocking 
that rock skinhead look, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I was doing that before it became my trends. Anyways, it's good to be back, it's been a while since I've been on. Yes, it's good to have you back, and up next, this man is doing it for The Rock. He's doing the show for the people. Please welcome Suplex Retweets Rikishi. He's Alan Mitchell. Did you say Alan, Alan Mitchell? Who's <laughs> Alan Mitchell? <laughs> oh, you caught up that one here, funny boys. I know. <laughs> Maybe that's because the Skype thing is still coming up. Andy Mitchell, I'm like, Alan Mitchell. <laughs> like, nope, never mind. <laughs> well, that burn was as rough as well. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> So how are you, Joe? Um, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. And finally, joining us, this man is called Kwaku? Kwake? It doesn't matter what his name is. It's Kwaku Aji, how are you? That was personal. I'm not bad, just <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a rock-inspired intro, and I thought back to the that horrendous wrestling award show we were nominated for where the guy couldn't pronounce your name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one. That one. Yeah. And the least said about that, the better. So, yeah, let's move on, please. Yeah, I think we should move swiftly on. <laughs> um, so, on our last rock show, we kind of... We, we touched on, like, the invasion and, you know, the, the Icon versus Icon Hulk Hogan match. But, really, we, the rock and attitude era sort of ended... At WrestleMania 17, it's argued to be the greatest main event of all time, The Rock and Stone Cold. Chris, how weird was it, you know, in 2001, The Rock is at the absolute peak of his popularity to just not see him on TV for four months because he disappears post-WrestleMania 17 to go film The Mummy and The Scorpion King. And it's just, it was such a weird sight at the time not to see Rock on any WWE programming. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't watch wrestling if it wasn't for what he did in 2000, in the early part of 2001. That was when I started getting into it. I was, like, what, 10 years old, and it was all I cared about was either The Rock winning, The Rock maintaining, being champion, and so on and so forth. And then in the space of two days for him to lose the belt and then get suspended from the WWF, I was just like... I don't know what to do anymore. It's so funny looking back on this because I'm obviously very hazy at certain points of this, but I remember that WrestleMania and I remember the Raw after so vividly and just being so gutted that The Rock was disappearing for ages. Yeah, it's it certainly is a weird time because I think they wanted to they wanted to make the two-man power trip last a while. Triple H unfortunately gets injured, so before like invasion, you know, post Triple H getting injured pre-invasion. There is a weird time in WWF round about King of the Ring where it just it seems all over the place. Um, Alan, you heard Chris there saying he only cared about The Rock winning, The Rock maintaining his wins. Obviously, you're a massive Rock fan as well. What was it like for you tuning in to WWE weekly and not seeing The Rock? Did it deter you from watching or was it like, I need to keep watching in case he comes back? It was heartbreaking, mate. Absolutely heartbreaking. The Rock to me is wrestling, he is the GOAT. Um, it did stop me from watching it. Um, I did end up owning a hiatus, but I would occasionally come back when he did come back. Um, but I did lose a lot of passion for wrestling because he was the reason I tuned in because his pros are second to none. He's, he may not have had the, technically the greatest matches, but they were always entertaining. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Scott, we mentioned the weirdness of the, this time frame where it's like, yeah, Austin's going to go on this big heel run, but there's not, you know, an established face to go up next to him, you know what I mean? So we were just sort of waiting for The Rock to come back. Yeah, they had to kind of rely on what they, they had, who was proven what it even they had to rely on like Undertaker and Kane for like three months to go against the power trip and then they had a long term plan for Triple H to be a good guy but it was kind of screwed when he got injured and then obviously I think a lot of hardcore fans at the time were happy to see Jericho and Hibbs get the opportunity they did at the time but at the time they were still very unproven. Yeah, uh, Andy what would you thoughts at this point because obviously you're a, you're a stone cold guy, you Obviously, Stone Cold's turned heel. There's no big baby face, you know. Undertaker and Kane are sort of, you know, you're used to seeing them lose and maybe not win the big ones, you know, for extended periods. And the likes of Jeremy went commodities yet, as Scott was saying. Now, do I remember the time when he was suspended? I was still, obviously, still believing in KFEB, even though I was like 12. I was like, oh shit, he's, he's suspended. How, when's he going to come back? And then I just remember. I, was like, I missed the WrestleMania. I just remember the next thing I know, like Stone Cold's heel, and I was like, "What weird? What, this is like a pure dark timeline, <laughs> like living in the darkest timeline." That Stone Cold's turned heel, but I don't know. I always thought like Undertaker would be capable, but then yeah, it was like loss after loss. So I was just like, I started to really lose interest in wrestling at this point, and I think the invasion happened, which kind of weirdly got me back into it. Yeah, but um, yeah, the invasion. It's it's a weird one. People obviously, it's when The Rock came back. People. Talk about maybe not being as fond, if you will, about about the invasion, but it did kind of reinvigorate a lot of passion for people. Yeah, I, I do feel like between because nobody really remembers between WrestleMania 17 and um, the invasion, it was just that there was a there was a massive rock uh, hole missing. <laughs> from the product and I think it was because I just didn't I wasn't as interested and I kind of hated watching wrestling because it was a two man power trip yeah it it is a weird time it is a a darkest timeline as you mentioned Mm. Um, so The Rock is headed away he's going to film Mummy 2 and Scorpion King uh, the Mummy spin-off films they weren't exactly you know cinematic masterpieces uh, Chris but they're they're good films like you know just to sit and watch and it, it was weird going into school at this time, you know what I mean? And, you know, the buzz around someone like The Rock being in a film, it was like, you'd never seen this before. Like, certainly not in our generation. Absolutely. I remember distinctly having The Scorpion King on video. I used to just sit and watch it all the time because my hero was in it. I thought it was absolute dynamite. It was so strange at the time thinking like, what? Wait, what do you mean he's gone somewhere else to do something else? He can't. He can't do that. He has to be a wrestler. This is what he does for a living. But obviously, he's found a career path that he can do something else for considerably more money and less effort. Yeah, I mean, I remember like the early films that were talking about the rocks, the Malones that were talking. About, there's always that appeal, like still like awe-inspiring. Like this is a guy watching wrestling, and now he's in a movie. But to see that the Rock starred in the Mummy Returns is a bit generous. He appeared as this. <laughs> CGI thing that like was animated by the creators of 2K20. <laughs> yeah, um, so he had me too. Sorry, Andy. I would just say state of the art special effects at the time. Yeah, of course, of course, Oscar worthy. <laughs> it's like dated the next day, like after you left the, the cinema. It's... Yeah, it, it's it's um, 
Oh, sorry. Can I like jump in on the sort of the the mummy kind of thing? Because uh, the sequel was like actually quite quite hype because the first one like done so well. So the fact that the rocks in it made it a bit more of a well, I kind of need to see this film now. Considering it's like obviously like hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know, I remember during the time it was like because I didn't know he was in the mummy in two until the mummy was actually coming out, and it was like oh, what the hell? It actually created a lot of interest to actually see that film, and then obviously when you saw it, it was like it was just a, a extended cameo. Yeah, obviously, uh, Alan is rock fans. You know, we, we think of him, you know, as the best thing going. It's weird, you know, when he was first breaking into Hollywood and he wasn't considered, you know, the action star he is today. To see him show up for five minutes, piss off, and then show up for five minutes at the end, it was a it was a bit weird, you know what I mean? You're sitting through this entire film going, where's the rock? Right, but where's the rock? Right, but get Brendan Fraser off my screen, where's the rock? Yeah, the tease the whole way through, and then I mean, I think I was disappointed because it's not him, if you know what I mean. I wanted to see mm. the rock square off against the mummy and Brendan Fraser to see how. I mean, we all know rock was still going to win it, going to win the fight, but it's to see how they're going to get killed. But to see that thing, <laughs> that thing coming, you're laughing. Well, that I didn't say none for this, you know. However. <laughs> Just again, like as you were talking about wrestling, fans going to it. That movie did change wrestling as well. Because WWE invested in the film, and then after that, started producing films as well. Because uh, I think Vince McMahon was like excited to produce on the Scorpion King, and I think obviously people want to see that to see like because The Rock felt like in in the big screen, he just felt he had the presence already, and it just I think he brought that really well to like cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, as Alan says it. It sort of started changing wrestling because you know the waters had been tested and the rock was doing very well he was getting his spin off you know the rocks you know starting to be in films maybe we start to try to put our other wrestlers in films and you know we've seen varied success shall we say um the less said about triple h and blade trinity the better but um because the rock when he when he appeared in the scotland king i think he was like he broke guy uh, like uh guinness book uh world records for like highest paid like newcomer in a film I don't know how much it was it must have been like 10 or 20 million yeah, it was so much 4 million because it was 4 million he got the 4 million uh, 4 million for a debut yeah. film which was un- unheard of but there's now you know a lot of support and actors get that yeah it, back as well it didn't have a massive budget mm-hmm. you know that film because WWE didn't produce a lot of it but they didn't have the budget like I don't know like Hobbs and Shaw has now where it's hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah it Obviously, we Chris mentioned, you know, that this is the Rock. Why is he away? You know, wrestling's what he does. Something like four million, as Alan and Andy are saying, that's what it was going to have to take to drag someone like the Rock away from wrestling. As Alan and Andrew are saying, uh, four million, you know, it's a massive sum of money. No matter what way you look at it, it was what it was going to be needed to drag someone like the Rock away from the world of wrestling. But. You know, he wasn't gone for long. He was away for four months. You know, we've talked about the invasion before. We've talked about the Hogan match and, you know, what that meant. But he was becoming less of a fixture on WWE TV. You know, he wasn't WWE champion. He was in, you know, the dream match with Hogan. He was in, you know, smaller mini feuds with The Undertaker, you know. But there was almost a hesitance for WWE to maybe put the title on him at that point. I think. Sorry, sorry. sorry. It, 
felt like he was the sort of precursor of what WWE sees now as a sort of special attraction, but it didn't. He didn't feel like a special attraction. It was just like, oh, the Rock's been away for a while. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's away again. Oh, he's back again. Like yeah, it's it, sort of not realizing what he is, considering he is like their biggest star, and he's also doing well in Hollywood. And they just, yeah, they just didn't realize what they had. Yeah, um, he leaves just after WrestleMania. Um, I, I believe he was meant to be away for an extended time, but uh, Stone Cold walks out of the company. They needed someone to step in. The Rock answered the call. He gets, you know, a short run with the undisputed title to set up the big match to make Brock Lesnar. Um, but you know, in Uniondale, New York, New York, Uniondale, New York, that is David, New York. <laughs> New York is a you know hardcore wrestling town, and to see someone like The Rock, news had already broke. He was leaving again, so I think people knew he was already dropping the title. He was being booed out of the building. Chance are you sold out, sell out, and what have you? You know, Scott. It was, it was so weird to see, from the excitement of him being in the Scorpion King and Mummy Returns to then seeing the fans just being like, no, pick one mm-hmm. and pick us. You know what I mean? It, it almost seemed like that. It was weird because he, he got drafted earlier that year, number one for SmackDown. They said, because it was his, him, his catchphrase that started that show, he was going to be a fixture of SmackDown. Then he was away. And the time he comes back to challenge for the undisputed title. And while he's not around a lot, the matches he is having are still good. Like the triple threat he has at Vengeance against Angle and Taker to win the title is a really good match. I just triple threat. Sorry to but and that was a very underrated triple threat match. It really is. It's really up there. I think one of the best triple threats they've ever done, and it shows the difference in certain like areas in the crowds because like the hatred from uh, a in Uniondale at SummerSlam was not there at Vengeance or even in the weeks leading up to it. And the Marley hate him. He does everything he can in that match to put Brock over. It's only a thirteen-minute match, but they do everything in that match to make Brock look like a killer at the Rock's expense, I think, it's just goes to show how well in Rock is and of course he's here to help put people over. Yeah, and uh, Chris, you know, we've we've reviewed uh, WrestleMania 20 in a sort of retro rewind that's coming soon. Um, it's almost ironic that Lesnar was booed out the building because news broke that he was leaving for the NFL and yet the match that made him, his opponent's been booed out the building because he's going back to Hollywood. Yeah, it was a strange reaction, wasn't it? Um, as part of my preparation for this evening's conversation, uh, I watched that SummerSlam match for the first time ever earlier on today, and I was really surprised to notice all the things that you're talking about. Like, I didn't, obviously, well, I think I've mentioned this on some other shows, but I didn't have, like, proper Sky back then, so I wasn't watching the pay-per-views. So I was, like, reading about the results in, like, the magazine and stuff like that. And watching it back today, I was just, I was so surprised by that SummerSlam match. There's, like, literally, as soon as the bell is rung, there's chance of Rocky sucks. But then, like, shortly after, I also noted that there was really loud chance of Rocky as well, and I sort of put it down to, this is kind of like a John Cena match, where it's like, there's big chunks on both sides, and there was loads and loads of booing for all the Rock's moves, especially the sharpshooter. At one point, he puts on the sharpshooter, and he's sort of jawjacking with the crowd, and I was like, he's playing up to this. The crowd... Like even stand, start chanting "Let's go Lesnar" as well, and every time that you would make a comeback as well, they would start like booing, and it was so so strange. Like Taz even acknowledged during the match, he was like, "Oh well, some like The Rock, some like Brock Lesnar," and um, yeah, it was 
It was a very strange match. It was very strange to see any match between 2000 and right this very minute where The Rock is getting booed. I think it has happened, what, like, like, even when you look at the WrestleMania with Hogan or the matches with uh, Goldberg and Stone Cold, like, there's not even that much booing. So this was this was so rare and strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alan, you've made it clear on the podcast before, you're not Brock Lesnar's biggest fan. I think that's putting it uh, mildly. But, you know, he absolutely had to win here, you know, to solidify himself. Uh, but it was just so weird. It wasn't as if he dethroned, you know, the king of WWE. You know, it wasn't as if he dethroned the biggest star like he was when he defeated Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. It was almost as if the crowd are turning on you. It's my time, but it didn't. It felt big, but it didn't feel as big as it could be because of the reaction. Yeah, it was pretty anticlimactic. Um, it's it's kind of hard to go on because the guys have all kind of pretty much said it. There was not a nice environment to, to be watching the match because the fans just were giving hell um, and nobody really seemed to give a, mo- a monkey's about the match, let's be honest. Um, so it, it was hard, it was quite anticlimactic, but yeah, Lesnar had to have the title. And I suppose if you're going to give the next guy who's going to carry the company for the next couple of years the title, take over somebody, why not put over one of the biggest of all time? And the guy who's carried the company and his shoulders for the last five, six years. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, it makes absolute sense, but just because of the environment it was in and the fact that, you know, that's when WWE started to lose control of leaks and things like that at that point. Um, it was pretty anticlimactic. And Andy, um, we talked before, you know, the the WrestleMania to sort of invasion. It's sort of a yeah. black hole because it was just it was Stone Cold, and that was it. You know what I mean? Um, Stone Cold's left now. The Rock's left now. WWE are starting to make more stars. You know. You've got the likes of Angle standing on his own. Rey Mysterio's just came in. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit like bona fide stars. And you know you've just made Brock Lesnar and Triple H is you know Triple H and Shawn Michaels are running roughshod on uh, Raw. So it wasn't as big a void to see The Rock leave, but it was certainly a a strange time. It's a very transitional time in wrestling. You know mm. Stone Cold's left and he's not coming back for six months. And neither's the rock. You're going to go a half year without your two biggest stars of all time. I don't know. It's like obviously the rock's coming. Sort of, he's coming back uh, to like when he's not doing Hollywood, and it's like, and it's still good that he's coming back to put over like Brock Lesnar, who at that time was just a lightning in the ball. Because what is it? He debuts the like after WrestleMania, and then what is it? He wins the title in August. You know, like other than like Kurt Angle, who's who's won the title that quick? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like he's like the Rock's got the the wherewithal to put this guy over, but obviously it's like because like I said, like uh, Chris was saying or Scott was saying that that vengeance match, that triple threat's a great match. Where it's like, uh, was it everyone's all storm the finishers and they, they they tap the move feet so they can all do each other's moves, and then it's like <laughs> next thing he's doing the the show the, with uh, Brock Lesnar. It's like it's an easy buy, and I think what is it? I don't even know what the numbers were for that of that SummerSlam. But I, I imagine it was quite a bit high, and it's just like, yeah, uh, the Rock goes and he does it in the match. As Chris was saying, it's like there's just such a, a animosity, mm-hmm. and it's like, what does the Rock do? Because the Rock is just trying to get this guy over, because obviously he's going out. 
the, the next day to do Hollywood again so it's like because what is it after we've not even mentioned it's like after the match which none of us really saw and you can only see it in special and like special sort of like pre like uh, special editions of stuff where he's talking to the fans and he's like well sing along sing along with the rocks over which is kind of like putting the foundations onto like his next character like the, the Hollywood rock character yeah the, I was going to touch on that next it was it's like after the match it's the home video exclusive and yeah. he says, finally, The Rock has, and they keep booing him, and he tries to do all his catchphrases, and he goes, you know what, sing along with The Rock, cancelled, as you said, he draws the like, dagger across his throat, drops the mic, and walks away, and yeah. this is the precursor, and it takes us on to our next section for I just Hollywood. Say, quite... Oh, sorry. On you. I was just going to say, quite it's like The Rock's, like, at that time, he has the wherewithal to know it's like right the crowd the crowd don't like me i'm going to address this so he's yeah. always like it's almost like he's thinking about what's happening next and i want to quickly touch on upon you remember like someone uh slam pre uh video sort of uh promo where it's like they were comparing uh, uh workouts between the rock and rock lesnar i was like is that a precursor for when john cena and, and uh the rock were feuding just showing how they work out uh, just maybe to, just wanted to mention that for uh yeah. shits and giggles yeah no it's, it is, it's the sort of work ethic that you know, it puts them both over. Um, the Rock goes away, he films uh, Welcome to the Jungle, or Rundown, wherever you may live, uh, with Sean William Scott and Rosario Dawson. Another good film. Uh, and Christopher Walken. Uh, Christopher Walken, yeah. <laughs> a fun, you know, it was a funny film. It's, you know, it's a good late night comedy. It's in the same sort of tone as like I American st- Pie and that, you know, and it's got one of the guys. I st- I st- uh, sorry, I still think that's probably his best film he's ever done. Yeah, it, it's sort it's of a controversial. It's, it's sort a great of film. a hidden gem when you look at him now. You know what I mean? Like all the yeah. films he's done and all the big blockbusters. It was sort of it was the rock show, and he could take the you know, for bit lack of better terms, Alan. He could take the piss out of himself, and he could he could have a laugh, and he wasn't this you know, sort of Stallone like action hero where he has to be you know serious and all that. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so I mean, he showed his not just a big tough guy, he's got the humour side as well and should be flamented that he is happier the piss up to him if needed. Uh, but just one point I need to add on about this film, this is the movie for me and probably in Hollywood they solidified him as the guy. He's the new guy to take over from Arnie, Sly Stallone, uh, Dolph London, Vin Diesel, Bruce Willis, the big action hero guy, he's oh. the guy and that's where you get the cameo from Arnie walking past them going good luck yeah i wanted to mention that as well because arnie's like obviously he's governor and it's just like this big moment sorry i just wanted to quickly jump in uh, so that's that was him passing the torch to the rock and he's ran with it and you know he, he surpassed all of them he surpassed the great action hero movies stars from the 70s and 80s and 90s and even the early noughties Nobody can touch him, and that's why even now, I mean, Tom Cruise uh, was the biggest star in the world for 20 years, and now he can't touch it all. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show that the guy is not a one-trick pony, he's got everything. See, I don't know, I know The Rock had that sort of thing of like being franchised for Agra, but his films aren't that great. But I, you can't you can't say he's like Eclipse, because he hasn't done like a Terminator or a Rambo, he's not done like a character that's like, oh, that's like, you know, the rock. he's not The Rock, he is this character. I think he's done well in Hollywood, but I don't think he's like, he's more, he's just The Rock in films now. 
Yeah, he is very much a... You know, he has his character and he sticks to it. I think he does play his strengths, but um, the debut of this Hollywood heel character, you know, it comes after, you know, moderate success. It's kind of like, you know, we see them as now. He's done direct-to-DVD films, but he's portraying himself on screen as like this Oscar winner. But, you know, The Rock, when he returned from injury and he was Rocky Maivia back in 1997, said to Vince McMahon, the face isn't working, let me go heel and just give me a microphone. This was almost like a reboot, like, right, the Rock character had ran its course for now, we need something new, and Scott, I think this this run, this three-month run of feuds with Hogan, Austin, and then Goldberg from February to April is possibly The Rock's best run, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, and it's weird. It happens with a lot of wrestlers that when you think about their actual best runs don't actually last as long as you'd think they would. But they lasted most a couple of months, like especially in this situation. And just the quite like the the rock's gonna come back. He's only gonna be here for a few months because he's getting all these offers now from Hollywood. You're thinking like so Austin Goldberg, Hogan, these are guys you bring them back to fight. But you wouldn't think the rock's coming back. And his biggest thing or the in the weeks not to mean is he's having a feud with the Hurricane, <laughs> and he had really good back and forth with the Hurricane again. Doesn't he doesn't mind who he works with as long as he can produce something good and. I still fondly remember he's he's up with Hurricane and I do really like, agree like the films weren't the best quality compared to what he would would do but I did I think it played an ETO persona like Austin once said to him hey I saw your little movie we've done the Scorpion King like I liked it but probably the biggest waste of thirteen bucks ever made. <laughs> um, Chris, we talked about um, on the Sting show about you know Sting's feud with Triple H being a sort of a rehash of WCW WWE, there was no need for that. But we could maybe trace back Vince McMahon's, you know, obsession with that to the Rock's feud with Goldberg, you know. He's came in, he's built on the fans' animosity, you know, he's beaten Hogan, he's beaten Austin, and then when he's about to leave again and they need him to put over Goldberg, the WWE fans are like, hold on a minute, we actually like what Rock's doing here. And Rock's our guy, Goldberg's their guy. And all of a sudden we head into backlash. The weeks leading up to it, you know, Rock's being booed, Goldberg's being cheered, and then on the night, the crowd just flipped the script, and Rock is getting cheered out of the building. He is, he is the guy. See, yeah, that's the thing. Like, see, when Rock came back in, like, you know, February 2003, I think it was, I'd flipped because I was always like, oh, well, he's a bad guy. I can't cheer him anymore. That's how the rules are. So, like, <laughs> when um, he had his whole beef with the Hurricane, and then when he has the match with Stone Cold, I was like, no, I want Stone Cold to win because Stone Cold's a good guy. Pure remember this so vividly. Um, and then when he beat Stone Cold, I was like, oh, what the hell? This sucks. So, I, again, having uh, not been watching the pay-per-views at the time, I was totally with Goldberg all the way. Uh, I didn't, I haven't, I still don't think I've seen that match, actually. I don't think I've watched Backlash 2003. Um, it's one that I need to go back and watch, but I loved the build-up to that match. It's just a shame that, obviously, you know, when they, I'm guessing, was Backlash in a, you know, smarky town? I, I don't believe so. I, th- I think it was just sort of a neutral venue. It was mm. a sort of B pay-per-view and this was the big attraction. Yeah, it's weird that the fans turned on Goldberg to support The Rock, because obviously Rock's whole gimmick at this point was to just basically destroy all of the fans and all of the wrestlers, which is a great gimmick. But I, I like the way that they introduced Goldberg like this. I think it worked quite well, at least in the, the lead up to the match, whether or not it worked in the match itself. 
it's another thing it was just to answer your question it was in Massachusetts so can be a smarky town but not as smarky as the likes of New York and Chicago and what have you yeah um, but um, Andy we talked obviously how The Rock after the match against Brock Lesnar he turns the script he says you know sing along with The Rock is cancelled and he wins the fans back I think with this you know this three month run and you know yeah. his ability you know put guys like the Hurricane and Jeff Hardy over on TV um, he cuts a promo after it and he says he just says to the crowd I don't know when I'm going to be back and the crowd boo he went don't boo because I want to just say thank you and I think at this point this is when Rock knows and the fans know he's not going to be around much longer he's he's starting to make more and more films and the crowd were very accepting at this point I think they were like you know what they've seen this run and it was like when he comes in he'll give us his all you know just do that when you come back well the thing is though with that character it's like what is it three months yeah it's like one it's one of the most memorable things he's done I can't even remember what Roman Reigns has done since he's been like top guy and what he's been on for about five years mm. but yeah that rock character is like because when he came back they were doing the the rock concert and it's like you only know, done that that character it was like that was how influential it was but yeah it's weird but it's just it's that kind of thing where it's like well uh, the crowd are booing me I might as well turn heel oh now the crowd are cheering me should I turn face and he was putting people over. He put over Booker T in that uh, Battle Royale match, like more so than what the Triple H done. And then he, I think, I think he was the one that talked him into bringing in uh, Goldberg, and he wanted to work with Goldberg. And I remember at the time because I, I, I couldn't watch Sky. I was always watching SmackDown on Sky, Sky One. And uh, when The Rock beat uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and went to Raw, I was even more pissed off of him because like, I can't even see him now on SmackDown. So I don't watch Raw. So I didn't. I never actually watched the the Goldberg match until last night, and it's not a very good match. But yeah, you can just hear the crowd are more into, you know, uh, they're more into The Rock than they are Goldberg. But yeah, well, I was actually going to say, do you know the foundation? Have you, have you ever seen the uh, the, the Raw ten year anniversary where it's like in a world show? Yeah, and Rock basically, he he gets pissed off because he doesn't get voted um no no he just wins like the the best um character of uh, raw but it's like it's just a video thing he does from like hollywood and it's almost like that's almost like the foundations of that character because he's talking and he's interacting with people but he's also still face rock but the crowd are just like they don't care they're just like rocky sucks this is boring you know just it's pretty mad but no it's just it's weird that yeah it's like He's only been that character for three months, and in three months' time, he's managed to turn them around again into like, like um, cheering them. Yeah. Um, so we get into 2004. He does a sort of thing in the summer. Uh, his one appearance from Backlash until three weeks before WrestleMania 20, he appears on Raw. He basically just runs down Christian, who's calling himself yeah. the Peeps Champion. He. He, he turns face again. He does. He stars in a reboot of Walking Tall. He is confirmed for things like Doom and Be Cool, the Get Shorty uh, sequel. You know, the less said about Doom, the better. You know, and Be Cool wasn't as good as Get Shorty. But I think at this time, Scott, he's been he's been put into franchises. You know what I mean? Like people are looking at you know making video game franchises, making sequels of established movies. And going, who do we want? We want The Rock. You know, the films might have not been great, but it's 
it's a sort of nod of confidence for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was it was weird. They say for the films, the more we talk about him, that he decided to first like dip his toe into because like first he starts in like the sequel and then the spin off to an established franchise. Then he's trying to go doing the comedy route with the rundown slash Welcome to the Jungle. And then the thing we're walking tall is they say at the start like these are probably based on true events, mm-hmm. so it's a more now serious take. So he's taking a lot of everything to prove he's not just a wrestler trying to make make it. Because uh, even though he's still being called The Rock, I think like over the years you see this whole like thing of The Rock moving from The Rock to Dwayne The Rock to then Dwayne, the idea of like I'm still associated with WWE, I'm kind of using that to get my foot in the door. But as he gets more confident, he gets like bigger roles, he realizes I don't need to rely on wrestling to make it here in Hollywood. Yeah, and uh, Chris, we we reviewed uh, for WrestleMania the 20 review coming next year. Um, yes. That uh, the Rock and Salt versus Evolution, he puts over another two up and comers and Randy Orton and Batista and that plucky upstart Ric Flair. Um, another selfless act by the Rock. He wanted to work with Mick Foley, but at the same time, it's like yet again, you know the clock's ticking. You know you're not going to get the Rock for long. Yeah, a bit of a spoiler on the WrestleMania 20 reviews that I wasn't really happy about this match. One. I felt, and I'm sure we've all agreed on this, but like we were in this sort of weird transitional rock where he was sort of half the 2005 onwards rock and half the rock that he's always been. And then I also had issues with the fact that Randy Orton won because why do you bring the rock back just to lose? Obviously, it puts evolution over massive and stuff like that. But yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed by this appearance and especially the fact that this was kind of it. This was the end of the you know, Rock version 1 on, in March 2004 at WrestleMania 20. It was a long time before we got him back after this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after this, he does sort of one-off appearances, you know. He does the promo with Eugene to save Eugene. He, he does a back-and-forth with Randy Orton to put over Randy Orton's match with Edge for the IC title. He appears and does a Diva Search, uh, you know, segment with the Diva Search contestants. But then, you know, quietly his WWE contract expired something WWE didn't really pick up on until you know the the following Wrestlemania when they were discussing should we bring Rock in Alan, in this day and age where WWE are hoarding talent and signing people with five year deals just to keep them off TV how baffling is it to think the Rock's contract expired and no one noticed it's absurd to be honest I mean, he's a guy who helped build and shape the industry and carry that company. And was part of the reason why they won the Monday Night Wars. And to not even notice a guy of that magnitude just disappear. It's, from a business point of view, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, from my business being, you'd be sitting there going, why are we letting our, our top guy go? And you could argue maybe he wasn't the top guy, I think, but the guy is shaped all into you, but why would they let him go? And it's amazing how none of the other wrestling companies are even attempted to make an offer to him to try and tempt him back or just to take him for promos or whatever. So it's quite an interesting thought because maybe as well they thought nobody else can afford them. That's why we don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like, to kind of talk about this thing, I heard some like, kind of rumour and innuendo if you will, like, about this thing, like, talking about bringing him in for Mania, I think the, the match that was proposed was Rock versus Shawn Michaels, but allegedly Rock is was never really a fan of Shawn. 
because he came in in the late 90s when Sean was kind of at his worst politically backstage and he was already causing like fights in 97 along with Bret Hart and it was weird and also there was like the theories that the way we kind of just quietly let him go because they were kind of annoyed at Rock kind of choosing Hollywood and almost abandoning him and also that the rumours that Tri- Triple H was kind of jealous about the Rock because when he tried to dip his toe into Hollywood it didn't really work as well and I don't know like obviously, these are just rumours but like as we did see some of the things with Batista later on where they kind of suddenly went oh good luck playing Drax the Destroyer day when he left in 2014 and then a few months later it's like the highest gross in Right. film of that summer and then he goes on to be in Avengers which freaking breaks all the records yeah it's it's weird they always have a wee dig at people for trying to do it outside of WWE mm-hmm. and it is, yeah. it's, it's sort of a petty thing uh, Andy I know you had a point you wanted to make yeah I was just going to say about the contract thing I remember reading about it was the what the the, the sort of the, the theory is is that they were they let it go because they were thinking well if his Hollywood career doesn't go anywhere, then it means he'll have to grovel back, and then they could lower, they can offer him a contract that's much lower than what he was getting. And as we all know, WWE is very petty. They're a very petty company, and, and like I can imagine them doing that. But obviously, at The Rock, because he was talking about, he actually, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere he wanted to work with Shawn Michaels. He was planning like his match for the next WrestleMania. I think he was mentioning like Eddie Guerrero and and uh, Shawn Michaels. But then all of a sudden, his contract expires, and obviously. As Scott was saying about Triple H being jealous, it's like at this point Triple H is having more of an influence in creative and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they'd done that just to be like, like let their biggest star go because like, well, if he fails, then you know at least then we can might even renegotiate a contract with him. You gave me the image there when Homer has to beg for his job back and Mr. Burns makes him crawl through the smaller door like so. Yeah, come crawling back. There was a. Sorry, on you, Andy. No, I mean, yeah, like, I can imagine Vince being like that because that's I can't remember who it was. It's Kevin Ash. It said it's like Vince will more likely not hire you, but he'll bring you back and make you suffer. That's the kind of mentality he has when it comes to rehiring people. Um, so obviously we talked about WrestleMania 21. Shawn Michaels was one of the rumours. Um, Jr., the former executive vice president of talent relations said on his podcast a few years ago and his claim was verified by Dave Meltzer Rock pitched three ideas he wanted to either work with Sting who they were close to bringing in pre full time TNA Macho Mad Randy Savage who wanted to make a comeback because he wanted to like erase his TNA sort of thing or he was very interested in working with Rey Mysterio you know unfortunately Macho Man's passed on and Sting has you know retired due to injury but could you imagine that you know WrestleMania 21, Rey Mysterio's at his peak. Sting's still got a lot in the tank. Macho Man, I fully believe, could have came back and worked with anyone. It's just WWE being, you know, the petty workplace that it is at times, they kind of shot themselves in the foot there because that's three dream matches anyone would, you know, love to see. That's Joe coming in fresh off his five-star match with Spider-Man the year prior. Yeah, no, it's just it's just WWE's mentality and um, they they don't think about the big picture sometimes. They think about their own big picture but they, they don't really see what the fans may want to see or what they think you know, it's just I don't know. Just it's WWE just being their petty selves. So the next time we see Rock is not in person, he does a a via Titantron uh, video. He predicts Umaga versus Bobby Lashley, Battle of the Billionaires, McMahon Trump. Uh we're going to take a quick break, so while we take a break, 
here's the rock predicting Battle of the Billionaires and giving you an in-depth discussion on what the name Umaga actually means. We'll see you in five. Yo, it's your boy Should D out here swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Let me run that back for you. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Remember the order. Listen to the show. Now you know. It's Shook D for the 99-2000. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, would you please direct your attention to the Titantron for a special public service announcement. Uh, let's see. Battle of the Billionaires. Trump versus McMahon. Hair versus hair. Who's gonna win? Well, finally, there's someone who knows the truth. Because finally,
And we're back here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. That was The Rock there, giving you an in-depth discussion of what the name Amaga really means. Who would have thought it meant that? Um, so it was... His wrestling career was very minor at this time. You know, he, he, made, he makes two appearances from 2004 until 2011. He appears in that pre-Battle of the Billionaires uh, promo. And he does a sort of 10-year anniversary thing for SmackDown in 2009. Um, we talked about the weirdness of him not being on the show. Alan, from this time frame, it was actually weird that with the, the build of talent, you didn't notice he was gone all that much at this point. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of during my hiatus. I came back in 2009 to WWE wrestling in general. But these guys like Orton taking over, Triple H was always still at edge went from being a tag team specialist to being the, one of the top guys. They managed to not just such good talent that you're right, you, you didn't miss him. I mean, obviously you'd love him to turn up and be there, but the storylines, the feuds, and the talent that was available, it was really, really good. And it did help ease that. Uh, one of these names that were coming up at the time and taking over was a certain Mr. John Cena. We might have heard of him. Um, and he he did a very infamous interview at this time, Scott, where he he calls out The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, The Rock at this point is still using Dwayne The Rock Johnson as his name. Uh, he's doing more and more films. And basically John Cena says, don't just say you love us, prove it. Mm-hmm. Come back. And, you know, we, we don't get a retort for The Rock at this time, but it's, it's weird to think, you know, the, the seeds for possibly one of the biggest attraction matches and biggest feuds of all time was set up for an interview in the Scottish Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird because I don't know how far in advance they knew like Rock was coming back and we wanted to start a thing with Cena because the thing was, I think they always knew that when he came back in 2011 it was always going to be across three manias. So they knew they wanted that, but I don't know when if they knew that when Cena was doing this interview, but you had to think Cena, growing up when Rock was probably at his peak, probably thought he wanted to defeat the Rock one one point, so he thought I'll throw this in there, and like when they actually have their feud, there is a lot of like touching on real life stuff. So you probably know this is how Cena really felt, and he had plenty of ammo go after Rock because a lot of people were picking on him, like Punk giving jokes, made jokes about the Tooth Fairy because Rock was signing a contract with Disney, so he had to do a certain amount of films. So and a lot of people kind of making fun of the Rock for these family-friendly movies he was doing. Yeah, um, Chris. Obviously, we talked about the two on TV WWE. Uh, appearances. This was like back when the Hall of Fame was sort of just like a, a WrestleMania DVD exclusive. He does appear in the, the 2008 Hall of Fame to induct his father and grandfather and he kind of, he, he takes a wee bit of a shot back at uh, John Cena here. He says Iraqi prisoners are forced to watch copies of the Marine and that's it. Like that's all he says. <laughs> he gets an ooh for the crowd and then when you think he's going in for the kill, he just completely ignores him and moves on. So it, it was sort of letting you see The Rock heard, The Rock didn't forget, The Rock will let you know he heard. Yeah, this is where my opinion of The Rock completely turned on its head. Because from 2011, when he came back and he was announced as the host and he did the promo against John Cena, I was like, fuck you, The Rock. You have no business calling out the guy that carried the company for the whole time that you were away. What bugged me is, like, see when John Cena does the interview in the Scottish Sun, like, obviously me being a total mark, like, everything he says is basically true. He, The Rock did walk out 
to go make more money elsewhere. And he still always was going on about how much he loves WWE, but he was never there to actually prove it. So see when The Rock comes back and he's all like trying to throw John Cena under the bus, this like sent my appreciation of John Cena like all the way to 11. After this and going into the uh, next period of John Cena's career, I bought my first ever wrestling t-shirt, or maybe second ever. I bought my CM Punk t-shirt and my John Cena t-shirt around the same time. And um, this whole period, between February 2011 Raw and WrestleMania 28 in April 2012, I was just like, John Cena should absolutely bat him for all the stuff he's done. Uh, Andy, we Scott mentioned it there. He would, you know, he'd signed a contract with Disney. He was doing family-friendly films. You know, from from seeing The Rock and The Mummy and The Rundown and Walking Tall and these sort of, you know, they're generic action movies, but he's basically still The Rock. It was such a, a weird thing to see The Rock. He's not called The Rock anymore. He's Dwayne Johnson, and he's a Disney property. You know, he's doing things like Race to Witch Mountain, The Tooth Fairy, um, The Game Plan, you know, generic live-action Disney movies. And it was just, as someone who watched, you know, The Rock through the Attitude Era, this time was a wee bit heartbreaking. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, funny enough, I remember I watched The Tooth Fairy and I had some enjoyment in it. I don't know why, I thought it was just ridiculous um, but and also you can't uh, fault him for Witch Mountain because if we didn't do Witch Mountain we wouldn't have that famous meme from it where he's driving <laughs> the car so you know I mean he's, he's in our pop culture world. but no I just wanted to touch on upon when you were on about at the Hall of Fame when he mentions the Marine he doesn't ignore Cena because he went don't worry I remember man I done doom and uh, I always feel like that comment that Cena made it's like the Rock was justified to like go back because, as we know, we were talking about the contract. His contract ran out, yeah. and The Rock was like, well, "What is it?" So it wasn't like he left and walked out. It was like WWE like pushed him out, and obviously he's going to be. You know what? Well, you know, fuck you guys. I'm, like, I'm going home. <laughs> he just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, he's like, well, whatever. Like Hollywood seems to be going well, and and he does that and. And, and Cena can't say anything because Cena's done the exact same thing where he's not on TV all the time and he's more concentrated on his Hollywood career than he is wrestling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing as well, uh, David Campbell mentions it quite a lot, is that you know Austin refused to work with people. He walked out on his contract. He, ju- he just he left. You know, Hogan did the same a lot during the eighties and nineties. You know, wrestling was going great. He was WWE's top guy a generic Hollywood film comes along and he jumps for it, you know what I mean? He he goes for it. And I think so it's like he, as no, we all know, oh, sorry. he never got the same heat as The Rock did. He was always welcome back. He was always welcomed back, sorry. Austin was, was never Hogan. Uh Hogan. Austin was never really taken to task for the fact that yeah, he might have not liked the booking of a planned Brock Lesnar Austin match, but he just walked out on the fans. And, you know, you, you touched on The Rock's contract expired, so he didn't walk out on anyone. It was a case of WWE told him, basically tell him, we don't value you enough to re-sign. I was going to say, with the with like Hogan and Austin being in films, it's like, can you name a very good film that any of them done? And you can't name Rocky Three. Yeah, no, Rocky Three. <laughs> it's was, like... Rocky Three that, was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oops, um, oh, sorry. Austin's best film was probably The Longest Yard, and he's he, he's barely in it, and his character is a massive bloody racist. <laughs> That's a terrible film. It's so bad. 
the thing is though, the rock was doing well. Like we mentioned be cool before, but everyone remembers the rock being really good in that. And I think the rock was like making waves in Hollywood because it's like it's a hard transition for wrestlers to become actors. Like Roddy Piper tried it in the eighties, he made Day Live and then what did he do next? Uh, wrestlers versus zombies. Hulk Hogan tried it, like what do we remember? Mr. Nanny, Suburban Commando and and uh Santa with Muscles. I think three Hulk Hogan films are in the top uh, 10 worst films ever on IMDb whereas The Rock actually made the transition really smoothly because obviously he was getting more roles no, just uh, just my piece yeah no absolutely I agree with that um, but we, we did talk about how you know it was sort of a heartbreaking time and you know it wasn't um, it wasn't getting the critical, critical acclaim and it wasn't getting a financial you know success at the box office and this was around about the time I think The Rock did the best thing for his career. He's changed his agency. He, he mm-hmm. brings back The Rock name. He starts going by The Rock again. You know, he gets Twitter, he gets Instagram. His Twitter and Instagram handles are at The Rock. Um, he changes his look from this friendly, family-friendly 220-pounder to this jacked-up 280-pound, you know, action star. And, you know, there's always the hint there, Alan, that... He's coming back. He's coming back. You know, he's starting to get into shape. And then there's a bit of bit of disappointment. I don't know if you remember this. December 2010, he posts a photo of himself as The Rock on his Facebook account, and just basically sends a message to the fans saying, "I hear you. I know you want me to come back, but for now, that chapter of my life is over." We, we obviously know looking back now, two months later, he would be back, and maybe this was a case of a misdirection, but. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see that originally, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's quite, no, it's quite disappointing. Um, considering, you know, some of his comebacks have been absolutely terrific, as you may have already been mentioned. But just to point out something, I don't know if anyone's aware, what you're talking about, he's totally changed his look. He's went to 2018 and he's Instagram and he's using The Rock. It's this time he had the meeting with Vincent Man and said to him, I need The Rock name. And Vince gave him a no money, nothing. He said it says so. Rock, he now owns the name The Rock, and I think I can explain that kind of balls to do that. It's something else because the guys made you, but also the fact it shows the huge respect they have for each other because Vince could have charged him whatever he wanted for that name and gave him it for nothing, which is probably why you know he will come back time and time again and do these segments. And I know some of these segments have been cringy at times, some have been annoying, some have been absolutely sensational. But that's why I think, you know, when he does come back, anytime he does come back, I don't care if it's crap. I love it. <laughs> I always will. And I, I just can't fault him for that, really. Yeah, I think we, we talked about how Vince McMahon gave him the name for nothing. I think that was sort of turned on its head for what we mentioned earlier, Chris. Um you know, they thought Rock would basically just come crawling back if Hollywood went on its arse. Now they were hoping, when WWE was in a slump, that The Rock would come back. I think that was maybe a peace offering, like, you can have the name. Yeah, totally. I didn't, I didn't actually know that story. You always just sort of assume that, I don't know, The Rock had ownership of the name already or something like that. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's cool that he managed to at least be a commercial success maybe not a critical success in this period of time between 2000 and 2003 and 2011 but at least he made fat stacks 
Um, it's at this time, Andy, you mentioned it earlier, it becomes what was called uh, Franchise Viagra. He, <laughs> G.I. Joe was a box office you know, flop, the first one. He comes in and does G.I. Joe 2 and instantly, you know, interest in this movie is up. Journey 2, you know, it was, it was a dead franchise. He comes in Fast Five and Six, you know, it's, he starts doing more established things and more maybe yeah. name-worthy things. And while, I, I, while they might not be the best films, they certainly made him a commodity, you know, a box office commodity. I, I do feel like he like made the Fast Five franchise into what we see it today as this big box office smash because before it was like it was it wasn't that good. But then it's like you see, I remember seeing the photo of him and Finn Diesel standing like, like facing each other, and it's like Jesus Christ, the Rock's just—you forget how big he is. He's a big guy, and it's like, oh, I'd be interested to see that because obviously, like, who would win in a fight between Finn Diesel and the Rock? It's like obviously the Rock, but in the film, they had to, you know, play a bit of movie magic to make it more believable in the, in the film thing. And it's it's just like, yeah, he was coming in, and it's just he put on so much muscle. And it's just like he just looked like this tank of a guy and it's like yeah G.I. Joe Retaliation isn't a great film but for some reason The Rock being in it made it it's like he overshadowed the fact that Bruce Willis was in that film yeah yeah absolutely thanks Scott yeah, yeah I think 2011 the year he comes back is also like the year of our Fast Five comes out and the fact that he, that he sent that Facebook post he's now calling himself Dwayne Johnson yeah during this time so I think again they did everything they could when they were revealed but during this big reveal the Mania host they did. I think they did everything they could to make make people think I'm not coming back. Don't expect it. Don't just stop the kind of rumor mill going. And you'll get fast and furious. It's kind of the whole thing about it. Is it's kind of an ensemble thing where you got Vin Diesel and then all these like crew around him. Mm-hmm. You really, a lot of people don't realize that the Rock's character is very much a not even a secondary, kind of a tertiary character in the back. Around to like in the first one, he's more of a foil for Vin Diesel. And he's kind of moved further to the side as the moves go on. And yet, he still has that presence that of all the characters, he and Jason Statham are the ones that get their own spin off. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's sorry, I was just saying, essentially, he is Tommy Lee Jones in the future. And it's like he's been put into this franchise. Yeah, yeah basically. Um, I don't care. <laughs> um, it's right about, obviously, Scott, you mentioned uh, the fast films, you know. He gets them back to where they should be, mm-hmm. and it's ironic that John Cena, who he's about to go into a feud with, is now going to be—he's the sort of new thing in Fast Nine. You know, it, it, it's coming full circle constantly mm-hmm. that John Cena is now going to be the guy that is renewed interest in the Fast films. Mm-hmm. Well, renewed as much interest as you can. I think we've all agreed at this point. Let's just stop doing them. I'm telling you, the tenth one. I'm telling you, I'm putting money on it now. <laughs> Was it John Cena is Vin Diesel's brother? It's like, yeah, I can't see that. Way pun, <laughs> pun intended. Terrible pun. Um, obviously, Scott, you mentioned um, The Rock did as much as he could to to think he was retired. Sorry, make people think he was retired. Uh, Alan, the the night the guest host is revealed, before we see it's actually The Rock. You know, they're hyping it up for ages, you know, is it Johnny Depp? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? Is it Channing Tatum? Is it Tommy Lee Jones? You know, <laughs> is it Robert Downey Jr.? And it, right before the segment happened, we see a limo pull up 
we see the doors open and we see a woman walk out of the limo and it was just the classic misdirection because I remember watching this being so hyped to see like the rock's boots hit the ground and then when these high heels hit the ground I just kind of fell into my couch like why have I stayed up if this is going to be Stephanie McMahon why have I stayed up to 4am yeah I mean this is where one of the few times WWE didn't shoot themselves on the social media by announcing them in up front and yeah it was a bit infuriating and then as you know said here's the host of Wrestlemania 27 and I don't know why I seen obviously the lights all start to dim it goes a bit blue and you see the left the lightning I don't know why but the rock never came to mind which is why it totally took me by surprise I thought it was Taker see see I was I was exactly I thought Undertaker when it went dark and then see when the you know it's meant to be electricity you know I thought like you it was lightning um, Chris Jericho came to mind as well because he wasn't in the company either. I thought we were going to see like you know break the walls down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I jumped in my seat when I happened. I, I didn't care. I didn't care. It was three in the morning. Here, my dad was sleeping in my room in the next room. I screamed my head off. You know, like he's back, and you know, it's just I'm actually getting a goosebumps thinking about all my hair, some arms are standing up. Because that's what that moment brings, and that's what he brings. And I know a lot of people like Austin and take him up, but to me, he's the guy that literally makes your hair stand on edge. He is literally electrifying, and that is the greatest, one of the greatest moments of his whole career to me. Because he he brings that, he sucks you in, and then that was it. You're off, and you know he could have sat there for. It's been 20 minutes or something I spoke for, and he could have went blah, 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 for 20 minutes. And if I sat there, I went, Wow, he just <laughs> he draws you in, and he's just, oh, it's just, it's brilliant. Loved it. And I wish WWE would actually consider doing things like that more now if they're going to bring people back or somebody's going to return instead of announcing it and social media ruining it for everyone. Yeah, um, obviously, you said you jumped out your seat. I don't think I got to the like. The, the word smell I heard if you and flew up to like it was like the third time of watching it I eventually realised oh his theme song his theme song has changed a bit you know what I mean it's because <laughs> it obviously has came back with a slightly new theme it's amazing to see him back Chris and you know I, I know your opinion of him wouldn't have been high because instantly in his return he goes after John Cena yeah that was it sadly um, I appreciated the comeback and I remember where I was I was in Strathclyde Jury and I watched the clip on YouTube and um, I remember sort of I, I didn't know who it was and I remember somehow getting to the video I think actually I asked one of my mates who I was in uni with I was like can you find this video but like full screen it so I don't like see who it is beforehand and I remember he already knew and he wasn't a wrestling fan so it was it was very much a like transcendent incident and uh, he was like watch this and I watched that and I remember being like that's really cool it's just obviously when you started talking that you lost me <laughs> um, Scott I mentioned you know me and Alan were talking he thought Undertaker mm-hmm. I thought sort of Chris Jericho these guys obviously had been around these guys were actually at the previous year's Wrestlemania um, so as much as they are legends and as much as you know someone like Jericho come back to WWE to host would you know get a reaction now mm-hmm. I don't think when the rumours are swirling that it's The Rock that these guys would have got a 
a favourable reaction, they thought. Yeah, probably not, because I think like, the, all the things that The Rock had done, like we've previously mentioned, and also the surprise that after all this time, he is finally back. I think they did, they did everything they could to get the best possible reaction, and I think it's around about this time that you can really pinpoint you know, the era that we're still in now that some people kind of criticise in that WrestleMania being the time where at least one or two people from like the Latitude there and that come back and get a spot on, on WrestleMania. And the thing about The Rock is I think there were quite a few fans who were dejected at this period in 2011, a few years into the PG era, who had also been growing up when Rock was in. So I think The Rock was criticising John Cena, who kind of, for a lot of people, embodied what they didn't like. So it's kind of the kind of divide where you had people like Chris or people who were kind of watching like regularly who might have been Cena fans and you had kind of the dejected fans who were happy to see The Rock back and were wanting to see him beat up Cena. Yeah, uh, Andy, just on that point, as Scott says, you could almost pinpoint the fans who had maybe been through the Attitude Era and wanted The Rock and Stone Cold back and maybe the fans who came into wrestling maybe 2003-04 who were not, you know, were not brought up on The Rock, you know, yeah. who were just kind of like, well, no, Cena's our guy. So it was great to see him back. I think we all knew in our heart of hearts he couldn't get away with doing what he could in the Attitude Era, but at the same time, yeah. there was still a wee bit of disappointment that he was toned down a bit. Well, I think he was trying to push the boundaries. He was trying to be himself, because, to be fair, I kind of stopped watching wrestling about 2007, maybe even earlier, and when The Rock came back, that kind of brought me back in. So it was good to see him, but it was like, what is it? He came out and he done what a twenty-minute promo, and it was almost like he would never left. Yeah, no, absolutely. He like that first night. You know, people can criticise maybe you know the people's water and you know yabba dabba at WrestleMania twenty-seven, but it was at this point you were like, he's got it. He's got it in his locker. Uh, twenty-seven. He's the host. They did really well keeping him and Cena apart. You know, apart from. Cena FUing or AM, Rock on the go home raw and then Rock costing Cena the match. Sorry, on you go on. I don't think I've ever actually watched that WrestleMania, considering it's like ten years after the greatest <laughs> WrestleMania that ever happened. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not the best WrestleMania. A lot of it could be changed. Uh, I think we might need a rebook show to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, they do something that's never been done before, Chris. I, I want uh, your opinion on this one. Um, one year out from the WrestleMania, the next year in Miami, the Rock's win, they announce the Rock versus John Cena. Do you think that was a good move to keep maybe fans around? Or do you think it was a, a poor move considering they wanted to see Rock Cena right then, right now? I remember thinking at the time, this is mental. Like, how are they going to shape a year's worth of storylines to suit this? Because what people don't remember is, see the night after 27, when they had that chat on Raw, or, or was it the night after 27? The Rock yes. and, yeah, yeah. In that chat, they say, let's do it for the WWE title. And it's not really remembered that they said that because that's just mysteriously not mentioned by the time they get to 28. So. I, I love this because I couldn't figure out how they were going to do it. I was like, Cena doesn't even have the belt. He lost the belt match to The Miz. And then obviously John Cena, I think, wins the title at 
backlash and then i'm like well cena's not going to keep the belt for the whole year and then it just sort of i, I kept thinking i was like how are they going to get this back to this and then i think it's all the way to like uh, survivor series or before survivor series before they actually come back to the storyline start taping it up on tv again yeah um the rock about time survivor series yeah um there was a promo during uh John Cena's WWE title run when they did a tour in Australia where he called out The Rock because a fan was booing Cena wearing a Rock t-shirt and he went, take your Rock t-shirt and put it in your drawer and bring it out at WrestleMania 28 because that's the next time you'll see him. The Rock then hits back at him in a promo on his social media and tells Cena, so you won't see me at WrestleMania? Nah, you'll see me sooner than that. And then that's when, a couple of weeks later, the Rock is confirmed for a Survivor Series match. Um, Scott, obviously I talked to Chris there about the build. We're still very much in WWE only mode for wrestling at this time. TNA mm-hmm. is the only alternative. Do you think this would maybe be better received sort of now? You know, we've got the likes in New Japan where they make, you know, people wait one full year for a rematch or, you know, they announce rematches six, seven months in advance. Do you think if we were maybe in that mind frame, where, or sorry, that time frame where stuff's getting announced then that the WrestleMania main event being announced a year out would have been maybe better received? Because I remember it was very mixed. I think there were like people were leaving when uh, like the Rock, Rock and that were leaving and they didn't have much else to go with. I think it was a good way of pulling back in. I think if you have two stars of their calibre, I don't think it matters what period you, you do it as long as it's two guys who, you know, can keep fans' attention a year in advance. And I do like the way kind of Cena's year progresses, like, and the build, like, so he goes after the Miz again because he wants to be the champion when the... And he goes in that feud with Punk, and Punk even mentioned, like, takes, like, the role of the full-time guy going, why is Dwayne in the main event and not someone like me? And then he goes in that feud with Kane, which everyone thought was going to be the turn Cena officially heel because they knew going in Miami, he was going to be the heel regardless. So like they kept Cena you know, busy and they kept going to mention Rock and then you had the Survivor Series match and all of their opponents. I don't think there's any doubt Cena and Rock weren't going over in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they could have fought, literally. They could have fought Punk and Triple H mm-hmm. and they would have still won. I don't think there was ever any doubt they were going to win. Um, Alan, Andy touched on it earlier on that, you know, Rock Cena was the sort of first, you know, big attraction match. You know, they've tried it in Saudi Arabia many a time and failed. But everything mm-hmm. about this match, the the one year build, you know, on TV, the you know, seven years behind the scenes, fans speculating, you know, Sheen Gun Kelly and Flo Rida doing the entrances <laughs> for them, and it being at WrestleMania in a stadium outdoors, everything about this just felt massive. Yeah, I mean the good thing is them announcing it a year in advance gives you know the back race team uh, you know the writers a year to work on how to get the two of them to build on it you know and I know I think Rock appeared maybe about a total six or seven times whether it be physically or on camera between the announcement to the actual match um, it was built very very well and it, it's the draw because you just know you haven't to wait it's the killer but it's having to wait the year um, you know and I it was a good match as well. I think it was heavily underrated. Um, but the, they did really, really well. And, you know, the, the, the tagline was the thing that really built it to make it feel epic, huge, once in a lifetime. 
it had the Rock Hogan feel, it had like the Rock Austin feel, you know, it had that build, it had everything there. And, you know, just putting it in one of the biggest stadiums in America and just something to be the Rock's backyard. Um, it was an idyllic setting for it. And to be fair, I think WWE did actually did deliver on that aspect. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, as you said, heavily underrated. You know, Punk and Jericho was a, you know, a wrestling purist dream taker and Triple H in the cell with Shawn Michaels as a guest referee was amazing. But this delivered for what it had to be. And, you know, as an in-ring thing, I think when you've got a guy like The Rock or the, the movie star is going to come back and win and you've got, you know, full-on Super Cena, every single finisher even though you've been trained to know at WrestleMania, one finisher does not end it. Uh, you, you but you thought, oh, it's it's a two, it's a, it's a three. It, no, you know you were on the edge of your seat the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good WrestleMania. I feel like that actually helped that WrestleMania. I mean, you could argue that every WrestleMania there's a poor match or a couple of poor matches. It's there in the even seventeen had a couple of poor matches, but I think the hype of that match up everyone's game in general for that night and it's one of my favourite Wrestlemania's 28 because it just had that larger than life feel which is what Wrestlemania's meant to have yeah absolutely um, Scott uh, I think with Wrestlemania 28 you talk about them like they always had the plan to do it again and I think this Mania kind of showed them in their minds why it was a good idea for them to do it again because this was the last Mania pre-network because obviously two years later the network is introduced and pay-per-view buys kind of don't play as much a factor. Mm-hmm. This was kind of this be this was the last Mania to crack over a million buys. It was like I think it moved into being the highest grossing Mania of all time, and you got to think that is probably in fact due to the return of the Rock and him being in the main event, and so the hype of over a year to finally get this match and the fact that people thought it was once in a lifetime. So business-wise, you can see why they want to do it again, even if people are like, well, that means it's not once in a lifetime, then, is it? Yeah, I think um, the fact that they called it once in a lifetime maybe annoyed some people. Um, something else I think that annoyed people was the danger of announcing a main event a year out is that someone may rise up the card. And it was round about this time, Chris, that CM Punk they just had it strapped to him and he basically said everything the frustrated internet fans were thinking at this point. Yeah, I mean, heading into WrestleMania 28, I was the biggest CM Punk fan in, in the world. Like, I loved everything he was doing. I loved the match with Chris Jericho. It was fantastic. Um, I'm sure I've told this story before on the podcast, but I'll just touch on it really quickly, is that um, I didn't finish 28 in time for going into work. And I had a lot of wrestling pals in work, so I watched the end of Cena Rock 1 in the car park outside my work on my laptop. And uh, <laughs> I remember feeling so, so, so dejected that Cena had lost, and especially because Cena had lost because of his own stupidity, because he tried to do the people's elbow, and that's what lost him the match. It wasn't necessarily that The Rock beat him, and I know that will anger a lot of people saying that. But then, thankfully, after 28, the focus was solely on CM Punk for a good while, which was fantastic, which was just great to see. And obviously, as you say, it sort of caused a little bit of issue. But um, yeah, I just I loved this whole period of time in wrestling. I was 
sort of an equal punk and Cena fan and I remember putting up a picture at this point of me like I was either wearing my CM Punk t-shirt and holding my John Cena t-shirt or right or like re- the reverse and yeah it was excellent just once again approximately just before January 2013 man would turn up again and ruin everything <laughs> um, Andy you talked about obviously Roxena was the first sort of attraction match uh, yeah. well, January 2013 then maybe takes on this trend where the part-timer wins the WWE or the world title or whatever the other title is at that time. Um, he, he beats CM Punk. There's sort of a mixed reaction to this. You know, many people are like, oh, why did he lose to the part-timer? Other people are sort of like, it went on so long, the Punk run, that who could beat him but The Rock? You know what I mean? It was a sort of Vince McMahon and the Hulk Hogan mindset where the heel runs through everyone, but then gets foiled by Hogan. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because obviously you're a rock fan, but you also are a punk fan. Yeah, the thing is though, I just I, I like my WrestleMania just being a bit unpredictable. I think it's like you're like sort of like, like I like to kind of oh shit, shit that's the match that's going to happen. That's really interesting. Whereas it was like when The Rock was facing CM Punk, you were like, well, if he's facing CM Punk, he's probably going to win. And then Cena will probably win the Rumble. And obviously, the Rumble was before that match. So it was like, well, Cena's won. Obviously, the Rock's won, and they're going to face each other for the title. So it was just a bit like, yeah, it's kind of like CM Punk's title reign was just something else. It was like, I don't think anyone predicted it was going to go on for that long. And I don't know who else would have, could have bet him for that. It's like, the Rock, yeah, fair enough, he's coming in part time. But can you think of anybody else who could have beat him, or maybe they they just keep it going to WrestleMania and then someone beats him? I don't know. It's just it is a cool weird thing. I just remember it was like obviously they're setting this up for The Rock versus Cena two, and it was just a bit underwhelming actually. I was just a bit like uh, I don't know. I just I didn't like where they were taking it. Yeah. Um, obviously, you said you like your WrestleMania to be a bit unpredictable. Um, Chris, you obviously touched upon. Cena Rock wanted to do it for the title. They then do it for the title, and you're like, well, The Rock's not sticking around. It's obvious Cena's winning the title. You know, the streak ending at this time was a bit unfathomable, so Punk Undertaker was a bit obvious. And then Triple H saying he'll retire if he gets beat by Brock Lesnar. That made all three matches sort of predictable. And a WrestleMania that was a bit lackluster, do you think it could have, the main event maybe could have benefited from? Punk being in it and possibly being a triple threat with Punk, Cena and Rock instead of just Rock, Cena too. I'm sure that's what everyone has said around this time and I think that CM Punk has said it himself like I've said loads of times that I think it's ridiculous that Punk was just mysteriously heel because he punched The Rock whereas like The Rock was the heel in that scenario The Rock got involved in CM Punk's title match he had every right to punch The Rock in his, in his face and it shouldn't have turned Punk mysteriously heel. I wholeheartedly looking back on it wish they'd done Punk versus Rock versus Cena with either Cena pinning Punk or The Rock pinning Punk. It both would have made sense. It would have got the WrestleMania main event that Punk deserved and um, they could have had the same outcome in the end. But um, I understand why they did what they did. They wanted to build on what they'd done at 28 and the only way that they could do that was to do the exact same thing and add the belt 
I personally wasn't annoyed that they were doing the match again. I, you know, the whole twice in a lifetime thing. I wasn't annoyed by that at all because it wasn't the same match. It was for a WWE title this time. And um, it's a shame that obviously, I, I think it says it on the internet, and I don't remember this at the time, obviously, but I think The Rock was announced for the night after Raw, uh, WrestleMania 29. But obviously, due to the injuries that he sustained against John Cena, he wasn't able to appear, and that was kind of it for The Rock. Yeah, um, Alan, we've talked before about the WrestleMania 29 um, main event being, you know, it was going to be so much more. It ended up just becoming a finisher fest because of The Rock's injuries. They had so much planned, and it, it doesn't look like Rock's going to return anytime soon because film companies aren't going to insure any in-ring, and t- in-ring return due to the, the insurance money they had to pay out for pain and gain uh, because Rock was injured and couldn't do reshoots. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, just for you touching the 29 match, I remember reading an article which apparently Undertaker said this, but there were several other superstars the night before. They did a full dry run of every match to see how they can improve and take feedback from other, other performers. And apparently the Rock Cena match was sensational. Um, it blew them all away. They were really impressed. It was supposed to go about 40 minutes they were talking, and then obviously, quite sad, so it was 3-4 minutes in, Rock's injury hit, and that was it, he was done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was sad how, for a long time, like, that was going to be the end of his wrestling legacy, and a match that didn't live up to the hype, again, not necessarily through his own fault, but it just left a sort of bitter taste in the mouth, and it was a, and it wasn't a particularly great mania. So people were really hoping that this was going to be the thing that just sort of brings it back in and solidifies it being a good mania. And yeah, obviously it did affect you know pain and gain. It affected a few other movies because it apparently lost a few movie roles because of the injury. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Reacher was one of them. Yes. Uh, because they really wanted Tom Cruise beat him to it because of the injury, because he could start faster. Um, but uh, I suppose in his eyes, and he was talking in a video about it recently, it's not really the end of the world, because it was a couple of months after his operation and he was in rehab that Fast Furious came and asked him to be in it, and it reinvigorated his career. Well, and uh, just obviously we're, we're running down, um, you know, one of the, the few he was meant to have was um, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was meant to attack The Rock post WrestleMania 29, and it would lead to Rock versus Brock Lesnar WrestleMania 30, uh, the rematch. So many years later, um, we're about to wrap up. Just a quick, you know, quick 30 seconds from each of you, and um, we need to go. I'll start with Scott. If there's one feud you would like to see at The Rock, he comes back for one last feud. Who would you like to see him feud with? I think he'll, he'll go with The Rock. Like it would be nice to see if we got it. That's easy because you can have. Him bugging up as the two big just like crossover stars they've had in a while with Rock and USC and Rock and Hollywood, like coming together to see who's the biggest like mainstream star that's ever been produced by WWE. And, like the exchange between Rock and Damon uh, could really carry the feud for weeks leading into it. Andy, who would you, if he came back for one last match, who would you like to see him go up against? Uh, get him, uh, him and uh, Sean Michaels in Saudi Arabia, and you know, I mean. <laughs> That'll be it. I don't. I don't watch wrestling anymore, so I, I, I don't know who. Uh, ten years ago, yeah, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Chris, who would you like to see him go up against? 
Yeah, I agree with all of the above. I think it has to be Brock. Just watching that SummerSlam match for the first time today, as soon as it finished, I was like, this is tainted because Paul Heyman is obviously so involved. I think the storyline would be The Rock is the one star in wrestling who is bigger than Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has ruled wrestling for the past five years, but there's this other wrestler who's bigger than him. So obviously Brock Lesnar should be the one to challenge The Rock. The only issue with this is The Rock is not a wrestler anymore. Physically, he's not a wrestler. That's why his body exploded in 29, because he adjusted himself so physically to being a like physical actor, and he couldn't take the adjustment back to being a wrestler, in my opinion. So I don't know if there will be any more rock matches. Obviously, in August 2019, I think he announced his like retirement officially. But I would like it if they managed to drag him back for something. Hey, Alan. I would like him one more match. Against Austin at Mania, we can tie up two <laughs> for two. Um, <laughs> obviously, it, it, obviously, it was great. Austin put him over me last other match, but it does stick in my craw that Austin's two one up. So I, I would have him <laughs> come back and finish Austin off for his two apiece. Because because the better wrestler is, uh, you know, he's got the two wins. That's right. Da, 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 da. It's not your show, son. Oh. Like, this is the right. Andy, no, sorry, Alan Mitchell, is it? Yeah. I'll call you Alan Mitchell now. Yeah, just silence. Uh, Quacku, um, who's your team to up against? Uh, yes, if, well, I've got two people. Now, this is, I see this one going for fantasy. I'm going to put mine out there. First person I would like to see is him against Andrade Cien Almas. Yes, I'm using his full Sunday name, if that's it. I just think him with Andrade will just be quite a good and interesting match and just having the promos with him and Andrade and Selena, like I could just see them going to town on that so I would love that but this is the one that's proper out there I'd love to see him go over to AEW and maybe face Chris Jericho I think uh, Chris Jericho has put The Rock over as being like his second favourite opponent other than Shawn Michaels so like when you look at the calibre of Shawn Michaels that's a, a massive compliment to The Rock I think um, if, you can't, if you can't get Austin okay, put him in there with Owens I just want to see the Rock oversell the stunners he often did yeah Rock Kevin Owens would be good I think you know I wasn't going to break my rule but Quacko had to so I'm going to have to I think for the family feud I think I'd like to see him fight Roman I think that would be a great feud for just my fantasy booking I would love the Rock versus AJ Styles it's just it's something that's always intrigued me and I think AJ Styles can have a great match with anyone. I'd love to see The Rock have one last great match, and I think AJ Styles would be the way to go. But that's that's going to wrap us up on our Hollywood Rock episode. Uh, first, I just want to pa- thank my partner. Uh, that's Alan Mitchell McLucas. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Kwaku Adji. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Chris Murray. Cheers, Ross. Great show as always. Thank you very much. Uh, Andy Mitchell. Cheers. Thanks for having us, man. And Scott, thank you very much. What can I say except you're welcome? (laughs) (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Uh, Next week's show, we are going to be discussing another legend of the game. We're going to talk about the game, 25 years in it. Triple H is going to be the focus of our main show next week on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Android, Anchor, Spotify and iTunes. And also you can find Suplex Retweet on all four of those uh, platforms. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Suplex Retweet. And if you can't remember all that, suplexretweet.com 
that's the place to go. You'll find the links to everything. Uh, thank you very much, and goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.